Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Best Pictures Podcast. I'm Ian, and this is Maggie. And on our 36th canon episode, we are doing the 36th Best Picture winner, Tom Jones. I love how you knew to qualify that, and you realized you had kind of talked yourself into a corner. And I then definitely you managed did. to duck right on out at the last minute. Kind of Not like our 36th. Kind of like the hero of our movie, Tom hey, Jones. Totally on purpose. From Tom Jones. Definitely on purpose. Uh-huh. Nice setup. <laughs> Uh, So this is a 1963 British adventure comedy film adapted from Henry Fielding's novel, The History of Tom Jones, a foundling that was written in 1746. So what would have been, I guess, like a current novel back when it was written, but when it was made and for us is definitely a piece of like historical fiction. But also slightly anachronistic feeling. I don't know why. but Well, because it, it feels very like late 20th century the second half of the 20th century british comedy it oh is, yeah it I'm, felt so modern and i'm I, pretty I, sure i, I texted you you one point like this is so british but i like i'm in the best way oh yes i mean that in a great way it stars albert finney as the titular tom jones and was directed by tony richardson it received quite a few nominations and four wins including best picture so tony richardson won for best director um, apparently he was not like super happy with the final cut. He still felt that it was like kind of like flawed in some way, but he was like, you can't really argue with success, but he, it was not like his favorite of his works. I mean, I, I can't find any major critique of it. it it's definitely weird. Like it's, it's weird and it definitely doesn't always feel like it's super tighten on top of Uh it but like in ways that i'm very okay with but i can see i can see where like he might have been like well i wish that i had like done this a little bit more well some of the transitions were just absurd yeah but i think it lent the whole feel of the film in a really nice way it won for best original score john addison won which i am so on board with i actually really really love the score (laughs) Um, it comes in at the right places exactly well and it's like so like harpsichord based and very simple and like fits the time period but like harpsichord but it's like wacky too (laughs) it's very odd it won best adapted screenplay john osborne won for that Albert Finney was nominated for Best Actor, but did not win. Uh, Hugh Griffith, who played Sophie's dad, Squire Weston, I believe it was. Correct. He was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, or Western, not Weston. Oh, I thought you said Western. No, I said Weston. I always think Best Western. Oh, that's good. That's how I'll remember it. (laughs) And then this movie actually also holds the record for being the only movie in history to have three actresses nominated for the Best Supporting Actress category. And it was uh, Diane Salento, who played Molly, was nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Edith Evans, who played uh, Miss Western, Sophie's aunt, was nominated for Best Supporting Actress. And Joyce Redman, who played Mrs. Waters slash Jenny Jones. Uh, they was were nominated for best good. supporting actress so like i the only one i'm not so sure about i was not a huge fan of diane salento like i thought she did fine but the other two i thought like really like stole the movie every time they were on screen i don't know i feel like diane salento did two a did two like i maybe the scenes were i also just really hated how over the top her bad cockney accent was oh see i loved it I, I did it was like because I couldn't understand her half the time. Oh, <laughs> like it was too. I was like, "You're going too heavily into it." It was also nominated for best art direction, set decoration. Other nominees from that year were America, America, Cleopatra, the Elizabeth Taylor version, 
How the West Was Won and Lilies of the Field, which is a Sidney Poitier movie. Now, I think you and I both kind of, we'll use this to transition into our watch notes. We were very surprised that this movie won Best Picture because it does not feel like almost any of our other winners. It's very weird and odd. It feels like a weird pick for the Academy. And at least of the other nominees, I have seen one of them and I know a lot about um, a second one. So I've Mm -hmm. seen How the West Was Won and I know a lot about Cleopatra and kind of it being this grand scale large, expensive production, lavish production. Kind of a historical semi-epic. Exactly. And given especially kind of like where we are in our Oscar time period, where it's a lot of basically either musicals or it's these like big sweeping epics, it feels like both Cleopatra and How the West was one, you know, from at least the ones that I know, very much seem like, like they're Oscar bait. Like they seem like... Oscar pictures. So Tom Jones coming in and winning. It's odd. It's different. And I was so freaking happy about it. Oh, I completely agree. For me, it's a massive breath of fresh air. Because I, I think for a while now, we've had comedic moments within right. the winners that we've seen. But we've had either but this is comedy forward. We've had a, a lot of stuff that was either very heavy or it was stuff that was like, I'm thinking specifically Gigi, like treated very light that we were like, oh, there's actually a lot of very sinister undercurrent stuff yeah. in this that isn't okay and doesn't hold up. Well, and that's not to say that there weren't those moments in Tom Jones. No. Like it has those aspects, but it doesn't say that they're okay. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, and then I'm thinking specifically about some of the comments made of Molly and her treatment in part of the film. Mm-hmm. But then later on, we get some voiceover where it's like, oh, Tom thinks that having a woman is better than no woman. And Molly thinks two men are better than one. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I, and like, th- that was well, great. Well, the society and like the characters, with the exception of Tom, and I never feel like Sophie really judges Molly. I feel like Sophie just gets mad at Tom. Because she likes Tom and doesn't like that he's sleeping with somebody else. Yeah, but she yeah. never really seems to take it out on Molly. But it's only takes it out on Tom, which yeah, is great. <laughs> exactly. Which like kind of her anger is like sort of in the right place. But the fact that like our two heroes, our two main characters that we love do the right thing and then the other people who we don't like are the ones doing the wrong thing. You know what I mean? So it's it's not <laughs> framed like oh God, fucking Bliffle. His name's Bliffle. Let us stick in the mud. But yeah, anyway, so that was my very convoluted way, and we can trim that down. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so the opening sequence was a beautiful, beautiful homage to silent film. Love this so much. It is done completely like silent film, where you have the screen cards coming up and explaining, and the whole setup is... Mr. Allworthy, this gentleman, this landowner. Squire. Is is he also a squire? I believe so. Squire Allworthy. He comes home, I'm guessing, from an extended journey. He's greeted by his sister, his servants. He goes upstairs, and he finds just in his bed an abandoned baby. (laughs) That's what you love to come back to from your long trip. (laughs) I had a note. How did that baby get in that bed? And then a second later, the title card is somebody going, how did it get here? (laughs) And I was like, my question, exactly. I mean, it's kind of an obvious question, Maggie. I mean, yeah, I'm glad somebody asked it. Not to give you too much shit, but... I'm glad somebody asked it. Um, (laughs) And what kind of goes on is this, like, absurdist little sequence where you have, like, the sister being like, oh, my God, Mm -hmm. it must have been that Ginny Jones. And then they bring her in and they're like, you horrible woman, get out of here. 
but she's I'll cast take, out. But Mr. Allworthy does say that he will raise the kid as his own. Mm-hmm. Then they're like, but who is the father? And the sister's like, hmm, it must be that barber man. So they like go get him. Mr. Partridge, isn't it? I believe so. Yeah. yeah so they go get him and they're like, you, sir, go away. <laughs> You're both terrible. It's just this over the top absurd rendition of this yeah. entire sequence, and and it feels the soundtrack. It's the, the little harpsichord, the like exactly. little chippy harpsichord. Um, and there was some slapstick comedy thrown in a little bit where you had Mister Allworthy leaning over the bed in his nightgown, and his maid comes we in. We almost saw almost saw butts. Almost saw butts. We got so we close didn't. to butts. We didn't. But yeah, the maid comes in. He's like, "Wait, that she just sees him in his nightgown." Is like, "Oh my god!" Yes, he's that like, was no, no, no. That's so a funny. baby. The comment. There was a comment at the end of this too where. With some foreshadowing, it's said that this baby was meant, born to be hanged, I think is exactly yeah, how they so put it. Yeah, so setting up already that Tom Jones, he starts life inauspiciously as a bastard, and he's going to be a troublemaker. Oh, yes. So we move directly into some introductions of Tom Jones all growing up, and we get Molly, and we get Molly's father. And... He's the gameskeeper. Yes. And I like that they immediately throw you into all of this slightly complex but fast-paced building of the relationships and the modern, well, modern, I should say grown-up character of Tom and how he interacts with all these people. Yeah, it is breakneck speed. So I did definitely have to like rewind a little bit and I definitely had to have like a character list. Same. This is one of the first movies that I have have had to really pause and Write down my thoughts. Yeah, it is fast. So I do wish that maybe there was like a way that that could have been cleaned up a little bit. Oh, no. See, I Um, love that feeling because it's very – it's hectic like Tom's own personality and his attentions and how he's so scattered. So I like the way it was filmed. Uh, There was a lot of like handheld feel to Mm -hmm. it. They would start calm and then the the crazier they got, the shakier Mm -hmm. the camera got. And they'd start like cutting back and forth with like different like skewed angled close-ups. Um, I just it, because I, I it annoys me when I'm not sure who characters are. So I do oh, wish I that I could have like it just could have somehow been done like maybe a little bit cleaner and I could have gotten like a little bit more because I was like, OK, so wait, this person's this person. They're related to this person and like their relationship to Tom is this. <laughs> and Mr. Allworthy doesn't. Huh? I still have no idea who the two like super puritanical guys were. One of them was like a clergyman. I don't know who they are. Like, fuck them, though. I hate them, but I never learned. They're all these advisors. Were. They're like it's square. And they were like and, the um, Tom's tutors. They had good name. They had names that like fit. Thwack Thwackum. A square and thwackum. Yeah. So like names that fit them. But I can never remember (laughs) them. Um, The only reason I remember square is because he was found with Molly in that one scene. Oh, gotcha. Same person, different wig. (laughs) Oh. Yeah, that threw me through a loop for a half second. Yeah, I didn't realize who that was. Um, Yeah, so that's what I mean when I was like, there was a lot of characters and a lot of stuff happened really fast in the beginning. But the pace does like slow down. Mm-hmm. to a point where we can or at least i can follow it like pretty quickly but oh yeah and i think that kind of happens well to this breakneck pace we get introduction to molly tom and molly have some fun there's every time some every time over. some people are about to quote have some fun as ian just said i like that the voiceover comes in and they're like but we will leave them to their modesty or like something kind of like tongue in cheek and the camera will like and the dip censor away oh or as the censors would dictate. Yeah. <laughs> something like that. It's like very fun and like tongue in cheek. And mm-hmm. I like, I liked that a lot. 
And there's one in particular where Tom looks straight at. The, there's a lot of fourth wall breaking, which I loved because mm-hmm. um, I thought they well did done it. here. And yes, not they overdone. did it very well. They picked their moments. Um, and it was always like funny, but there is a moment where Tom like looks at the camera, like puts his hat on over it to like cover the camera. Oh yeah, to protect poor Mrs. Waters' modesty. Yeah, <laughs> that was amazing. Um, so in the scene again, we get Molly. We get introduction to Molly's father. We get introduced to introduced. Wow, excuse introduced. me, introduced to Squire Western, who is all up in arms literally about them hunting a bird that has fallen on his property, which if this is not one of the perfect grumpy introductions to a character, I don't know what is. That character (laughs) is a great character, a horrible human being. Oh, horrible human being. Also, apparently- He's in the like yard and he just like grabs one of the milkmaids and is like, okay, we're going to have a roll in the hay, both literally Literally. and figuratively. (laughs) He's like, he like drunkenly kind of half tackles her. Um, Physical comedy was superb. Yeah, there was so much physical comedy. <laughs> Apparently, Hugh Griffiths, who played the uh, Squire Western, was, like, drunk, actually, the majority of filming. <laughs> and they had to, like, rewire. He always has that little, like, fly whip. Uh-huh. They had to, like, rewire it so it wouldn't hurt so much because he kept, like, accidentally hitting people with it. Really? Yeah. And he and um, Albert Finney did not get along. Oh, well. That's okay. They didn't need to get along. I'm pretty In fact, sure. It I'm pretty sure it was those two. That, I think it was those two that didn't get along. Albert Finney apparently was not like a huge fan of this one. Well, eh, can't love him. He all. still does a good job though. Oh, For someone agreed. who didn't, who wasn't super happy with the part, like mm-hmm. he's a trooper. He showed up. He did his yeah. job. So we roll into a scene of an introduction of Sophie Western. And she's come back from France, and apparently she and Tom are buddy buddy, and they have this really sweet exchange where he's just talking about like oh sing me one of your french songs here's a bird randomly that i've caught for you in a cage and i'm (laughs) it is very scattered but again it's like tom's personality scattered and i'm on board and all of tom and sophie's interactions are super charming and like sweet Mm -hmm. and they're very just like sweet with each other they really are they really are it's somewhere in here we also get an introduction to cousin Bliffle, who Bliffle. I think I think the word the way they put it is that he is uh, pious beyond his age, um, which he's as I said, very buddy to me buddy meant with, stick in the mud. Yes. Oh, he's the worst. He's very buddy buddy with Square and Thwackum, which should tell you all you need to know. <laughs> and of course, they hate Tom because they're like, he's not religious enough. He's not pious enough. He's running around <laughs> yeah. sleeping with Molly Seagram. How dare he? Well, they didn't know that at first, but they found it out. Yeah. Um, but there's, we understand that Bliffle is a stick in the mud, but at first we think he's just harmless. And then in the scene with the bird, we find that he is out to get <sighs> poor Tom. He's just mean. I, exactly. And so I kind of like that they played that with that character where he's supposed to be this really pious religious person that all of a sudden is actually horrible. Well, that's what they do with a lot of the characters. Like everybody who is, with the exception of, I think, probably Sophie, but everybody else who is supposed to be respectable in Mr. Allworthy. So with the mm-hmm. exception of Mr. Allworthy and Sophie, everyone who is supposed to be respectable and is like a respected member of society is terrible. And the people yeah. who are kind are people like Molly and Tom and like even like Sophie's servant who like really mm-hmm. has her back and stuff like it's people from these lower stations who 
they're flawed, but they're kind and they right. genuinely care about people. So it's it's stuff like that where I think you get that commentary that comes through. Uh-huh. And it's like, yeah, the people that all these like highborn pious, outwardly, quote, good members of society are like shitting on. Those are the people that are like actually the kind hearted right. members of humanity. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. And this, I love that after Bliffle, asshole, lets the bird go. Tom, I thought he was going to kill the bird. So same. I was frankly I was just really relieved worried. that he let, it, he let it go. Though, like, he's also right. Like, the bird shouldn't be in the cage. But he didn't do it because he really thought the bird shouldn't be in the cage. He did it because he's mean. Yes. And wanted to get Tom. Yeah. Jerk. But Tom falls in the water. And, of course, he tries to go like, get oh, the, God. He tries to go get yeah. the bird back. <laughs> And this is where Sophie really, we get that kind of fiery side of her where she retaliates against Bliffle for being a jerk. She pushes Bliffle in the river. (laughs) I loved it. I was like, yes, Sophie, And of the two that are now wet, one cares much more than the other. And Tom doesn't give a shit. Tom's just like, I got the bird. (laughs) So again, this this whole sequence, we just really... I thought it was a, a very effective way it to get everybody. It sets up the dynamic. It sets up kind of like the social structure of this area and mm-hmm. this wider society that we will see more of. But we kind of start in like the microcosm of like this village and this like group of landowners uh-huh. and the people around them. And then we expand from expand there. it later. Mm-hmm. So kind of moving on from this, leading to kind of the midpoint of the film where Tom is finally kicked out. We get a whole slew of we build, quote unquote moral failings of Tom. Oh yes. That is, that's kind of like how start, I characterize there's, this. I would say that there's two <laughs> sections before the midpoint and that is Tom's quote failings. And then also the development of the Tom Sophie relationship. Yes. Yes. You were very right that yeah. those are, well, yeah. But yeah. so first, Let's talk about Tom's failings. Um, so Molly is considered one of his failings because apparently they love to do it. Hang out in the woods. <laughs> Molly loves to take ferns and like gently caress Tom on the face. Molly gets preggers yeah. is what happens. And I love that she shows up into church, baby bump out. And she does not give a shit. Cleavage you go, Molly. out. <laughs> I loved that she didn't give a shit. Everybody else gives a shit, though. Yeah, to the point where they, like, mob up on her. Which, again, it's going with that contrasting of the people that are supposed to be super pious and good being actual shitheads. I know. Well, you get the (laughs) the women gossiping about her. And, like, this woman, like, starts throwing dirt at her. And I'm like, one, just don't throw dirt at people. Two, also, like, she's pregnant. Molly fights back and starts, like, I think she swings a bone from the graveyard. (laughs) Oh, there was definitely a skull in in one of those shots where I'm like, okay, where did that come from? (laughs) Well, because they have Molly walking by the graveyard as they start throwing stuff at her just um, a human skull but yeah and she like grabs like a bone at one point like swings it at somebody and i was like you get him molly <laughs> it also i think there's some interesting stuff in this movie where you have the women who are tearing down the other women and i'm like girl all you're doing is propping up the patriarchal society that is also oppressing you so like stop and you know who refuses to do that sophie, sophie. <laughs> but we also get some really nice moments of like women supporting women that i will bring up later <laughs> okay <laughs> Um, it was just this is the most Sophie in particular, but the female characters in this movie as a whole are some of the more well developed, like fun female characters we have seen mm-hmm. in actually quite a while. And that they're like layered and they have personality, and like some of them are villains and some of them are not villains. Like there's just <laughs> there was a lot of female characters in uh-huh. this movie, and they were all different, fun, and I loved it. All of the characters, I think 
were different. Well, I would say I wouldn't necessarily call most of the characters complex, but I Tom's would say- Tom's also our most fun leading man in a while. Uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, but they all have that varied representation of yeah. the human diaspora, as it were. They're they're very like Dickinsonian, where they mm-hmm. all have like a very distinct personality or quirk that you're like, okay, I get this character. Yeah. Okay, I get this character. Which leads us beautifully into this next scene with Squire, where we get our first taste of how much of an actual farm animal he is. <laughs> he is. He's a farm animal. Like. So there's his Dickensian thing. <laughs> he's yeah. an animal. He's a drunk and an animal. And he's like boorish at the table, eating his I, food so okay. sloppily. The one thing that I really had a tr- had trouble with in this film, and they, they, I know why they do it. Uh And it's effective. I don't like watching people eat in movies. And I really don't like watching people eat really gross food in movies. Specifically this scene with the squire. And there's, I don't remember who the guy is who's eating with him. But it's like some other guy. They are eating so grossly and like so animalistically. But I know that it's being done to contrast with Sophie and Uh how poised she is. And also to just show you how terrible both of those men are by how just, like, gross they're being. But it was still so hard to watch. <laughs> I, yeah, it really was. And especially the way he was, like, slapping her on her ass and all that. And I'm like, okay. He's terrible. Of the time. Uh, He's the worst father. The, yes. The worst. Yes. We'll get into that more. Yeah. Um And so... Next development of Molly that we can. <laughs> I do love, I have to say though, uh, Susanna York, uh-huh. who plays Sophie, her facial expressions are so good because her sitting at that table while they're just like raucously and grossly eating in the background and she's like playing on the harpsichord, that look on her face <laughs> and it's just like, fuck this, I hate this, this sucks so much. It's just so perfect. And. <laughs> The contrast they built to where Squire says none of that was it Brahms or Bach or <laughs> he is none of that Brahms. <laughs> that was beautiful. Yeah. And then she goes into some drinking song, I think. Yeah, or something, something of that kind nature. of peppy, but she's super unhappy about it. I don't blame her. No, she wants I love to play it. Brahms or Bach or whoever it is. Yeah. So we, we get another scene with Molly. Apparently, Tom has finally decided that it would be good to go and check in on the woman that supposedly he has gotten pregnant. And Molly, understandably, is really pissed. She's like, it's the first time you come and check on me, all of this stuff. But then we get a lovely little bit of comedy. Oh, so great. She is having a pillow fight and accidentally tears down a drape. Who is behind that drape, Ian? Oh, Square. (laughs) The pious Square. And I love that Molly and Tom's reactions aren't to get in a fight. They just both look at each other and die laughing. <laughs> yeah. Well, and he dies laughing at later in the film thinking about it. So yeah. I, I love that relationship where they both know what's going on. Well, and there's and there's like care. a line too where it's like Tom was lucky enough to find out that the kid he thought was his, it was in fact not his. Yes. <laughs> or potentially not his. Right. There is um, doubt. I think she still says it's his though. Yeah, but Which who knows? Tom Tom seems like super okay with. Yeah. Like now. It's interesting that we were talking about how this film was definitely not in the vein of the epics of the time. But I think this next hunt scene and sequence Mm. actually kind of edges into that category. Oh, I have thoughts on this sequence. I thought it was amazingly well done. 
agreed. So we get the super busy chattering like the courtyard everybody's ready getting ready it's rapid shots between so like the dogs noisy. and the drinking you can't and, really ugh. hear people talking very well but it's building up that energy effectively and for it's me. like frantically cutting between like people and the dogs uh-huh. and they finally like release the dogs and they go hunting which i f- this is such an awful way to hunt well yeah the ending was much more violent than i was expecting i but i think it's chase, super appropriate uh, agreed though, yeah. i Effect it well. What am I trying to say? The contrast between the beautiful long shots from what I presume was a helicopter across the fields as they're running on horseback with the dogs, and then you get close ups of kind of the frenzied faces of Squire. They, and they look insane. Sophie, a little bit, but I think was Allworthy on there as well. Potentially, like Daddy Allworthy. Pretty much all of our main characters. Words. So we got to see them all. They all look crazy. Yes. It's that like bloodlust. Mm -hmm. So we've seen their Mm -hmm. social (laughs) bloodlust. So now Now we're seeing their bloodlust, bloodlust. That poor, that poor. You have the lone deer deer just going through the. And he still had his spots. I know. This lone young deer just like going through the woods, being chased by the hounds, being chased by these animals on horses. Yeah. And And we actually. It culminates through all of this buildup with us actually seeing the dogs tearing this poor deer apart. Not a real deer. Very obviously not a real deer. It was fast enough that if you didn't look hard, it could have seemed like a real deer. Yeah, but it, I just want to throw it out there. The, yeah, they didn't actually deer. sacrifice a deer. But, Thank goodness. I would have been really disappointed. Oh, yeah. Also, get, get this horrific shot of Squire Western holding up the dead deer, and he looks insane, and it's really disturbing, but also Again, just such a good depiction of his character. <laughs> but during this, all of this awfulness spooks Sophie's horse, and I was like, I'm with Sophie's horse on this. And the well, horse, didn't Sophie kind of faint on the horseback? She looks... No, I don't think she faints. I think she looks troubled. But the horse bolts, mm-hmm. and we get some amazing stunt riding, especially the side saddle stunt riding, because those horses are flying. Because Tom is the only one who goes after her to yeah. help her. He finally catches up to her, but it's like these great, crazy, frantic shots, and the uh-huh. camera so super shaky until he finally like gets her and helps her and gets her off the horse. Um, and they fall to the ground. She's very thankful. Tom has broken his arm. I'm still not 100% sure if he actually broke his arm. I'm not 100% convinced. I'm not. But one, Tom going after her is beautiful characterization. Again, he is the only one who goes after her. But then for some reason, he stays at the Westerns like compound to get better but why couldn't he have gone to because he he got hurt saving sophie and like we just need excuses for them to be cute ian okay the getting well reason the getting well montage was so cute the way it starts where they have tom in bed and sophie's like leaning over him and being like all caring and then her like maid is in there like talking to her and kind of throwing some shade at tom because of his parentage and sophie gets mad and like turns around and then we see that tom's actually not passed out he's awake (laughs) and the shots between sophie and her maid kind of like arguing as tom like inches his Uh hand towards sophie's hand and then every time she turns around, he's like, eyes closed again, pretending to be knocked out. When she's not paying attention, he like sneaks his hand over and then he eventually takes her hand. Yeah. <laughs> and then she doesn't want her maid, Anna, to see that she's holding his hand. So she's like hiding her hand, holding his hand behind her back. And it's just so cute. Oh, absolutely. It was so, so cute. 
Well, and I think there was some really and very good, funny, <laughs> really good line writing here. My my favorite was about how her maid's foolish chatter had awake, woken him up. <laughs> yeah. So again. I think some of the writing can be attributed to the author of the book, but it was also adapted very well. Yes, for sure. Um, And I like the way they used the narration. Agreed. It came in at the right moments and also in the right ways with the characters. I'm thinking Mm -hmm. kind of towards the end with Miss Waters having a fourth wall break that was narration. Great contrast there. Anyway, we'll get to that. I think because I don't remember exactly when the first fourth wall break break happens but it's tom who doesn't it's pretty early on so they set precedent for it pretty i believe early. it was in the boat when he was getting better right no i think that's the second one and that was also sophie who broke the fourth wall there yeah it, I, it, I it happens remember. but they set precedent for it early enough mm-hmm. to where like i'm very cool with it yes yes agreed and so we get that first scene to set up the montage and then we get it's ridiculous. It's just this them being thing. silly and stupid and like, together. Butchering some flowers off the wall to put them in a basket and like on the lake smoking a pipe. Oh yeah, and that's when they're I, they're on the river. That's an opium pipe, right? I like that they're I don't know. It's like it's probably, gotta be based on how it probably. was. Probably. But I I love like you have Sophie paddling uh, him down the river. Because he has a broken arm as he's sitting there smoking a pipe and then it cuts to him trying to one arm paddle Sophie down the river as she's like smoking the pipe. And that's when she does her fourth wall break. And the, the very last scene, which I loved is how they finally get to their first kiss. And so it starts with, I literally, my note for that scene is kiss, kiss, kiss. Yay. A little mermaid moment right here. I'm really excited. So we had been getting a mixture of shots here, but we don't, really see close-ups too often and it immediately focuses on both of their faces which i thought was kind of awkward with the shakiness but i kind of liked it because it lent to this we're not sure what's going on what's going to happen we're being awkward but love each other i don't know it It fit it it fit fit. really well and they kissed and of course and we all cheered or maybe just i did but i mean figuratively speaking maybe not literally i think i literally was like (laughs) woo. So end, end that sequence really beautifully. And then, of course, we get the setup for Tom getting kicked out. And I love We get another really shaky carriage ride. And the way that they always do this, and it's very evident in this scene, I think mm-hmm. this is the best example, is it's um, Mr. Allworthy and his sister Bridget. And they're in like um just like a little fly carriage, one of the mm-hmm. ones where they're like both standing, which I have a note that I was like, man, transportation in the 18th century was like super dangerous. <laughs> Um, I mean, there's a reason life expectancy was so I thought low. it was basically just like <laughs> disease and lack of hospitals and like childbirth and shit. I didn't realize it was also just like transportation. Was I mean, worse. I was thinking to myself, apparently Bridget was like in her late 40s and I was Damn, thinking to myself, a what a good long full life. <laughs> For like 17 something. It was like, I feel like you either died really young or you died really old. Like <laughs> There was no in between. There's no in between. Um, but... They do something with the camera here where it starts off relatively smooth. And then as Mr. Allworthy and Bridget lose control of the carriage, Mm -hmm. the camera work gets shakier and shakier and more frantic. And they speed up the film. And they, yeah. Which I love. They do it a little bit later for comedic reasons, but I love it here because it really makes you feel like you're on that carriage going down that rough road and about to crash. Yeah, exactly. It's it's so well done. Uh, They both crash. 
Bridget dies. Yes. Mr. Allworthy is apparently in a very rough state. And of course, Tom comes home, him and Bliffle. God, fucking Bliffle. The name, too. No, I'm actually kind of happy that Bliffle is sad. I feel like Bliffle's always sad. That's why he's so mean. <laughs> anyway, we get Tom <laughs> being really kind to Bliffle. Uh-huh. So very clearly, uh, Bliffle, the reason Bliffle doesn't like Tom isn't because Tom is mean to Bliffle. It's because Bliffle's jealous of Tom. Well, obviously. Because everybody loves Tom. Maybe Especially were... the lady. <laughs> <laughs> Bliffle does talk a lot about the, what is it, the marital, how did he put it? I don't remember exactly what he said, but I remember just going, ew, it was when he said it. was the most clinical, pious way you could have talked about sex. It was icky. It was so gross. <laughs> um, but anyways, because Tom's really sorry for Bliffle, like hugs Bliffle. Yeah. like, I'm so sorry. Um, we get the scene where Mr. Allworthy is four different shades of gray because he's dying, apparently. And he's got bandaged head, everything. Tom on one side of the bed, and he's got Bliffle on the other, and he's telling his will. And you've got uh, Blackham and Square there, too, like just glowering and being useless. And apparently um, getting a lot of money. Yeah. And like a bunch of the servants, and we get Mr. Allworthy. He's like, the estate will go to my nephew, Bliffle. Um, cause Bliffle's Bridget's, um, son that she had to the person she married. Bum, 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 bum. bum. <laughs> Spoiler alert. But, uh, we'll get back to that. Yeah. I said that really convolutedly, but anyway, uh, Allworthy also is going to provide a very generous living for Tom, which makes everybody else mad. Cause they're which like, I never get, I know like, he you said he was going to raise him as his own son, so yeah. And like deal. you're getting the estate, the whole Tom estate. just gets a little nice little living. He gives Blackham and Square money, like like a thousand pounds each. Yeah, or something he's like crazy. giving money to the servants. Like we get very nice stuff from Mister Allworthy. Allworthy is worthy of all his fortune. Oh, that was a good one. <laughs> I definitely thought long and hard about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and. Everyone's really sad because they yeah. think Mr. Allworthy's going to die. Mm-hmm. Surprise. We get, <laughs> we get Bliffle, Square, and Thwackum just sitting. They're morose. Silently. Yes. Very morose in a room with like the black curtains over the windows and everything because everyone's in mourning. And we get Tom running through the house, super excited, I think already drunk. Ripping the curtains down. Ripping curtains down being like, Mr. Allworthy's better. Mr. Allworthy's better. And they're mad at him for being excited that Allworthy's better. And I'm like, it's because you all just wanted your money. And Bliffle does say something where he's like, can you not celebrate when, like, my mom's dead? And he's like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Tom is still sorry about that. But, like, But Bliffle said it. He was like, I had the misfortune of knowing my parents. So it's not just him saying, hey, think about me. It's him taking a jab at Tom. Right. Which, like, Mr. Allworthy is Tom's dad. Yeah. Like, he raised him. Of course Tom is happy. Also, like, your uncle's going to survive. You should be happy unless you were thinking real hard about that estate inheritance. Obviously are. Which, like, Square and Thwackham, too, were like, oh, we're not getting and our money. And that's where, okay, a little... Which Tom basically calls them all out on. Oh, absolutely. A little bit later, apparently Tom, after this, is just a drunk now. He's, he's celebrating so happy. everybody. Leave him alone. Uh, anyway, he comes up with this amazing song, Sing Thick Thwackham. <laughs> <laughs> 
And that's where he calls him out for him wanting his inheritance <sighs> that he didn't get. And sing thick thwackum. It's so good. Tom is such a treasure. <laughs> he really is. He's, he really he's is. so likable. Oh, God. When was the last time we had, like, a romantic male lead that was likable? I guess Tony in West Side Story wasn't not likable. He just made some bad decisions. Yeah, I would say he was likable. He was likable. So not that long. No, we haven't had – we've had, like, a lot of romance stories and not a ton of male leads that have been super likable. And none have been this fun. None have been this fun. <laughs> so what does he do to celebrate other than just getting drunk, Ian? Oh, he goes and – well – Actually, they get into a fight. Actually, he gets kicked out of the house. He's trying to carve. Yeah, he gets kicked out of the house because of the fight. And yeah. then he's trying to carve his and Sophie's initials in a tree. <laughs> but Molly appears Molly out of nowhere. Molly shows up super predatory. <laughs> I am a little not happy that Molly like definitely was being kind of predatory when he was like drunk off his ass. Given the rest of the tenor of the film... Uh, and Mo- Molly and Tom do have like an established relationship. They do. That's Tom never told Molly to leave him alone, so we'll let it pass. But but she does just kind of come protest with a little protest. <laughs> she does just kind of slide out of the shadows. <laughs> that was a wonderful kind of reversal. In but those anyway, so they start uh, rolling around a bit. In the Meanwhile, ferns. not they. Thwackum Square and uh, Bluffle are terrible three are just out for a walk and they just hear giggling <laughs> and are like, Tom must be with a girl. Of and, course. And then one of them is like, find that harlot or something. And I'm like, dude, why are we immediately just mad at her? Agreed. And let's so be mad at both. They're... <laughs> yes. Actually, let's be mad why at neither. They're just celebrating. They're having fun. But they end up starting to beat up Tom. Squire and Sophie happen upon the scene. And this is where you mentioned it earlier, where Sophie takes out her frustration on Tom. Yeah, because they, uh, Squire gets them off of Tom. So Sophie goes over to see if he's okay. Pissed about it. Yeah, she's mad. Like, why are you beating up my not boyfriend? (laughs) My not boyfriend, who I definitely want to be my boyfriend. Um, (laughs) She goes down to kind of like the river area, which is where Molly and Tom were. And I do think when Tom hears uh, the other three coming, when he like basically goes in and tackles one of them, I think it's to keep them from seeing Molly. Yeah. So again, Tom being concerned about Molly. Um, Not too concerned apparently <laughs> but well, he only has concerned. a he has a minimal capacity for concernedness but he is at least somewhat concerned, concerned. <laughs> but anyway um so sophie goes down to the river to like get like a wet rag or something i don't know i guess to like clean off tom's bloody face but she sees molly hiding down there and she does stop and again i think Susanna york doing a really good job with her facial expressions because it's a very steely face th- like look on her face but she doesn't say anything to molly and molly gives her kind of this look like judge me if you want and this is where i think diane salento did shine in some ways because she she kind of meets that you're right. I forgot about that scene. I basically, Energy. as I long know. as she's not talking in that really bad Cockney <laughs> accent, I really, really liked her. Unfortunately, um, most of the time she's talking. Yeah. Well, she unfortunately imp- for you. She does make an impression, though, because she doesn't have a ton of screen time. So she does do a good job of like yeah. making an impression. And is that the last time we really see Molly? I think so. Because I, I don't remember seeing her anymore. I don't think we see her film. again after that. Um, but anyway, Sophie goes back and just slaps Tom across the face and with the wet away. rag and runs. <laughs> and this is when Square and Thwackum really kind of go to Mr. Allworthy and they're like, you need to get rid of Tom, right? Yes. 
And they finally tell him exactly They're what's like, going down. He fought Mr. Bliffle. And I'm like, you forgot the part where Mr. Bliffle was being an ass. I mean, and but then remember, they were like, Bliffle he hit him. But Mr. Ice. Bliffle didn't want to tell you because Mr. Bliffle is too kind. Mr. Bliffle walks out of the shadows <laughs> and he's like, Bliffle, my nephew, is it true? And Bliffle's like, well, yes. <laughs> it's absolutely true. Also, we saw him with a woman. No, you didn't. You just heard giggling. You don't know what was going on. Sir. Maybe he was giggling in two voices because he's insane. <laughs> It's the 1700s. You never know. You don't know. <laughs> more, more commentary on that later, actually. <laughs> so that conversation happens. We did get a couple, well, one, one major scene where Tom and Squire actually go back to Squire's place. I have a lot of fun. And we get an introduction to Miss Western, who is Sophie's aunt, who is so laser focused on getting Sophie a husband. Uh, for someone who is so laser focused, she has zero understanding of the big picture. Well, it's because she feels like she is out of her city bubble and in the country with these swine, which her brother is a swine. Her brother is absolutely but. a swine. <laughs> I have very, I, I like her character because I have very mixed feelings about her character because there's some uh -huh. things that she did and said that I loved and then there were other things that I was like, my God, you idiot. But like, that's a good character, I think. Exactly. Um, well, and she has some scathing lines that oh, I she love. Does. But there's, um, she decides that Sophie is sad because she's in love. She is talking to her brother, which Squire Western Sophie's dad says, I love that girl more than I love my own soul. And then when Sophie's aunt is like, I think she's in love, he immediately flies How off dare the she handle. be in love without my consent? Like, what oh the my fuck, God. dude? And he's like threatening Sophie. I was yeah. like, clearly you don't love her. <laughs> because what is this behavior? You love an idea of a well-behaved, obedient child. Exactly. You don't actually love Sophie. But... The aunt calms him down because she's like, but what if it was, he's like, she'll marry who I want her to. And she's like, but what if she's in love with the person you want her to marry? And he's like, <laughs> wait, what? Novel idea. Sophie's aunt explains so wrongly that Sophie's in love with Mr. Bliffle. Because who else could have beat Ian? Who else in this just pigsty of a corner of the country could <laughs> dear sophie graceful elegant cultured sophie possibly be in love with but then mr bliffle which we come to find out that miss western thinks that bliffle is just a horrible person i love what she does she turns on him in so quickly a, but like apparently in the situation that we are in She's she goes to tell Sophie available. because she's like, your father. Oh, this is, is the going. perfect duplicitous, like working of multiple parties against one another for her own will. Th this is why I love her. Well, I think she genuinely thinks that Sophie. Oh, in you love do? With I don't. Oh, I think she genuinely I think she's thinks trying that. to arrange this and make Sophie think that. No, I think she genuinely thought that that's who Sophie oh. was in love with. <laughs> because I don't think it ever crossed her mind. That it could be anybody else. Because she's telling Sophie, Do, guess what? Best news. Your dad is going to go talk to you. And she uses the word lover, which I hate. <laughs> Your lover 
and <laughs> arrange a marriage. And Sophie's like, oh my God, wait, really? Are you, oh my gosh, she's like, he's so nice. He's like, so great. We know she's talking about Tom. Her aunt's like, yes, yes, you and Mr. Bliffle will be very happy. And Sophie's like, hold up, wait, what? <laughs> and that was the exact reaction I expected this whole time. It's like, oh yes, he's such a charming young fellow. And I was laughing out loud at that. <laughs> not Bliffle. No, no. Not Bliffle. <laughs> How that mistake could ever be made, I do not know. But Sophie's Sophie's like, that is not, no, not Mr. Bliffle. I think she's like, I hate him. <laughs> and her aunt's like, but who else could it be? And Sophie's like, looks at her like she's the world's biggest idiot. And it's like, Tom Jones. And then her aunt is like, flies off the handle. The bastard, the womanizer. How dare you insult our family that way? Yeah. And then Sophie is like, don't fucking yell at me and like runs off and the aunt has decided that she needs to immediately go tell her brother, which he's like drunk in a haystack at this point, or is that another scene? He's drunk in a haystack well, multiple times. This, so the, th- this whole scene coming up, we get a contrast between Thwackham Square and Bliffle convincing Mr. Allworthy to kick out Tom right. with the aunt trying to convince Sophie to marry Bliffle. <laughs> so one, I thought that was a beautiful little piece of filmmaking there where you get this contrast between the two. Mm -hmm. It's both parties working against something that we want as the audience, but in such different ways. So you get the aunt being like, Oh, it's not so bad. I've known many couples who have been unhappy, but have led like great genteel lives. And somebody's (laughs) like, that's great. It's not going to be me. Exactly. And then the building of the case that you mentioned for, uh, Mr. Allworthy against Against Tom. Tom. And then, we have Sophie's dad showing up and like brokering the deal with uh-huh. Biff- Allworthy. Bliff- Bliffle and Allworthy. I don't even want to say his name. It's so gross. Um, <laughs> but anyway, and then returning and how does Tom find out that this is happening? Does somebody just say something to Tom? I I wish I remembered. All the, the main thing that strikes me in this scene is the way that Squire wants to lock up Sophie in the tower. Well, because what happens? Some, lets her, ma- lets somehow, her out. <laughs> yes, somehow Tom finds out. He's been kicked out of the house. He goes over to the Westerns. Sophie's like, we have to leave. We have to leave. Like They want me to marry Bliffle. And then this annoys me when Tom's like, don't give yourself to him, Sophie, and then runs off and leaves her. And I was like, <laughs> what I can she do? I was like, Tom, I don't think it's going to be her choice. <laughs> like, Can't do it. Come on. But we have Western trying to grab Sophie, Sophie trying to run, the aunt trying to grab Sophie, and then him locking her up in the tower. And then cut to, I don't remember the exact order that this next little bit goes in. It was in. back and forth. It was crazy. Loved it. Yes. Worth a watch. But so the aunt lets Sophie out because, and I wrote down the line. Oh, God, where is it? Because women are convinced by reason, not by force. <laughs> and I was like, snaps for her. And again, this is why I love the aunt. But then I character. immediately had to withdraw those snaps for her because she was encouraging Biffle, Bliffle to be like kind of rapey. Oh, are you sure you weren't thinking about Fallworth? Oh, no, there's... We should probably say, like, as a heads up for listeners, there's there's one scene in particular later in the movie, but, like, potential trigger warning for, like, sexual yeah. assault. And they literally use the word rape, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is um, the one the one scene that I think really was. There's, the there's, w- there's one scene that is, yeah, it's particularly strong in. Um, 
But it's when the aunt has like it's like chaperoning like Sophie and Bliffle just like oh, chilling. Yeah, it's like, oh, go chase after her. He like go, he like kind of like grabs her and like pulls her close, and she like pushes him away and is like, no. <laughs> and I was like, God, Sophie, I love you. Loved it. Um, and the aunt is being like, go chase after her, like be the fox. And I was like, this is this is bad messaging. <laughs> not how this works no. so again lots of stuff goes down in the scene we finally get tom kicked out he's going on his own sophie is locked up in the tower where shall we go from here oh yeah and the dad's like don't let her out this time well yeah apparently it was in squire's tower this time so the aunt couldn't let her out yeah. this time <laughs> so we get a little bit of tom going on the road doing his thing he somehow meets up with some red coats they're going north to fight the it would have been the jacobite rebellion yes they were for the protestant side apparently. the british government exactly or english i guess we should probably specify that would be the english it would be it agreed um Anyway, gets into a bar fight. He's like getting along with like a lot of the um, officers and stuff. There is a shot that I laughed out loud that I loved, where Tom is marching with the foot soldiers uh-huh. in file, and he's got his walking stick like propped on his shoulder like a gun, the way that they have their muskets, <laughs> and is like singing with them. And I was yeah, just singing like, "Rule Britannia," all that. Oh. How delightful! And that shot was really nice. And the tavern scene, honestly, the was, tavern scene was very really well good. put together. Because, like, Tom's just, like, getting along with people, and you have this one stuffy red coat, and I was like, Tom, honey, they hate you because they ain't you. Because like, <laughs> Tom's drunk, and he, like, wants to toast Sophie. He's like, toast and this to one Sophie dude Western. impugns her integrity. Well, he's just needlessly being an asshole yeah. because he's like, oh, is that the Sophie Western that I knew from Bath? Like, half the regiment had her and her aunt and tom's like understandably super upset well and he even says i i will not tolerate jesting for around this yeah. and he keeps pushing it and then throws a fucking tankard at his and face knocks tom out and all the women who are like running the tavern are like uh so you killed him and the guy's <laughs> face goes super pale and the officer like the head officer is like yeah, so you're now arrested for murder. <laughs> and the guy's like, but I don't even know Sophie Western. And it's like, then why be an asshole? This is what assholes get. And he gets more comeuppance later. Yeah. But, but not enough. anyway, they leave Tom at the inn with a head injury. And without paying. Which, and without paying. Oh, the morning scene. So good. This, so good. This God, this might have been my favorite scene in the entire movie. And there are a lot of potential my favorite scenes in this entire movie. <laughs> But the innkeeper comes in. She's really upset because they left him without leaving. Yeah. And she's demanding payment. And they get into like a shouting match where they're just shouting over each other because he can't find the money. He's like, I'll pay. But he had money robbed in him. his pants. He said he, it was like a 500, a single 500 pound note. And I was like, you Which idiot. They had 500 pound notes then? It probably somebody like signed. It probably wasn't like, like a, a check. Basically. Like, it was probably literally a note for 500 pounds. <laughs> um, that's like, this person's good for it. Um, but they're just shouting and squabbling, and he's like, somebody took it. Somebody took it. Did so-and-so take it? Did you take it? And then he breaks the fourth wall, looks at the camera, and goes, did you see her take it? And then goes back into the fight. And I loved that so much. It was so good. And he gets thrown out. It's like, never come back here. Never come back here. Now, meanwhile, I love the Rapunzeling that – Sophie oh, is doing. Fuck yeah, Sophie. Again, here's where we have our women supporting women. 
her maid, her like, Anna, yep, is like, got you. I got you. Yeah, she's like tossing veggies out the window, <laughs> shimmying down. And they get Sophie's horse and they leave. Yeah. They get to this inn that Tom has finally left. Well, Oh, That's yes. their first stop. Yes, yeah, this yeah. is the first stop. There's multiple inns out, that we... And I love it. They get kicked out. That innkeeper <laughs> turns on her so fast. Meanwhile, her dad has discovered that she's gone. And it's flying off the handle. And him and the aunt are like barreling down the road out looking for <laughs> Sophie. So we basically have Tom on the run, Sophie after Tom, Mr. West- Squire Western, it's and Miss Western and after it. Sophie. <laughs> love it so much. Should we talk about, I guess next would be meeting Mrs. Waters, Yes, that is the right? next bit. And so the next major kind of sequence, we get Mrs. Waters introduced. So same redcoat person mm-hmm. who had escaped for murdering Tom is now stringing up this poor defenseless woman by a tree. Why? Why we never find, I don't want to know, frankly. Agreed. And this is where we get some little bit of comeuppance for, what's his name, Fletcher? I don't know. I I don't care. He doesn't deserve a name. (laughs) The actor was good. But Tom gets in a fight. Because, again, we have Tom being brave, even though he's got a head injury. He has no weapon. Yeah. Like, Tom is being brave because he's going to go help somebody. So the character who people are constantly looking down on is, in fact, the most noble. Exactly, because he defends Most her honor. Most of the time. Well, he saves her life. I would argue that he has a the most cons- basically. I would argue that he has one of the more consistent moral codes. Oh, in this absolutely. Entire film. I think he so always sticks okay to his moral it. code. Because even though this woman is here, he's like, and the narrator even says, "Hey, this would have for worse people been really great to take advantage of." Mm-hmm. But of course, he doesn't. He fights off this dude. Which I liked the sword fight. I thought it was well yeah. choreographed. Lots of fun to watch. Saves her and then is like, oh, sorry, holding up his hat, trying to block out her, her torso. Yeah. Because <laughs> she's, she's very almost n- topless. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and there it's them then walking down the street. And she's being very flirty with him. <laughs> she is. Mrs. Mrs. Waters, Waters is, is very interested. Um, they're walking down the street and Tom's walking ahead to quote preserve her modesty. And she's walking behind and then like he'll like look behind and she's like making flirty eyes (laughs) and eventually he's like looking behind more and more and that's when there's like some sort of comment it's like oh but tom was like a red-blooded young man but there's that's when he does the hat over the camera yes and it's so great so which is really good now we cut to sophie so tom and mrs waters have made their way to an inn cut to sophie and anna going down the road Sophie's cousin happens to run into. There's so much Ms. coincidence. Fitzgerald. Miss Fitzgerald. Yes, there's so much coincidence in this movie. It's ridiculous. Miss Fitzgerald is on the run from her husband. <laughs> <laughs> and so she's like, Sophie, come with me. I'm on my way to London. You can stay. Because Sophie's like, I'm on. She's like, what are you doing? Sophie's like, I'm on the run from my father. She's like, well, I'm on the run from my husband. Let's go. <laughs> and that's when I was like, women supporting women. And again, this mo- I thought that this was a very modern take on like, women are going to do what they want in this story and I'm here for it. Well, yeah, it's like the, yeah, I like that she's just like, I don't like my husband. I'm just going. <laughs> um, so now we, let's let's take a count of the different chases now going on though. So we have Tom, Sophie chasing Tom, Mr. Western and Miss Western chasing Sophie. Now we also have Henrietta, who is running with Sophie, who is being chased by her husband, Mr. Fitzgerald. Everybody so. chasing everybody. 
And we're all going to come together at this one inn. This single inn. This scene is hilarious. It's so good. First, we have what we need to talk about. The second eating scene. (laughs) Mrs. Waters and Tom sit down for a dinner where they proceed to, for in my opinion, a little too long. Very, or at least trying, very sexily to eat some very unsexy food. Well, and I think it was very subtly sexily too. But it starts I loved... off. It starts off that way, and then it gets like more and more of them just like tonguing, <laughs> like, like the, chicken. The legs. contrast between Tom kind of going at it in this, I'm ripping apart my food and getting all dirty and stuff, and then Miss Waters is just packing it away like and super crap. clean the whole time. But no, but it's the worst. It's the worst food to be doing. That. It's crab legs, it's like a crab whole legs. chicken. Well, I'm not even. No, it looked too big to be a chicken. It looks like a, a bit of mutton, leg. like or Ooh, turkey or leg yeah. or something. <laughs> And like oysters, and then like just whole pears. Like <laughs> this meal, it's like eighteen courses. Oh, and where the hell did they get pears? Apparently, it took like hours to film. <laughs> and both they had like chuck buckets for the lead. I'm sure they and like had spit to, buckets, cause... and like both of those actors were like sick for like at least a couple of days afterwards. That's they were a like lot feeling of food. it. It was so gross. I loved it. The it way they so slurped funny. the oysters, even that, I, I laughed out loud. <laughs> I was like laughing, but also kept having to look away because I was like, I can't, I can't just watch pear juice dribbling down somebody's face. Oh, but face. I can. This is the one scene that if you only watch one scene, it's got to be this scene. Because it's one of the better known ones. And it is a microcosmic representation of the film as a whole. It's just, it's so <laughs> weird and like a little upsetting, but also funny. I don't know, but it's a good scene. Oh, it's so good. Very well constructed. <laughs> anyway, Tom and Mrs. Waters get a room. Meanwhile, in our courtyard arrives Mr. Fitzgerald. We know this because he's very bright red haired and was described as Irish earlier. Yes. <laughs> so he's very much a stereotype. He arrives. He is very angry. He knows for a fact that his wife was running away and she came through here and he asks. He's he's also just, like convinced that his wife is running away because she's having an affair. Not because he's scary and mean, but because she's having an affair. So he's like, did a woman come in here with like a, a man? And they're like, <laughs> well, yeah. He's like, what name did they use? And she was like, it was a Tom Jones and or Mrs. Waters. And he's like, she's using a false name. (laughs) And it's like, or it just isn't her. He insists that they show him which room it is. So he barges into the room and Mrs. Waters is freaking the fuck out. Understandably, she and Tom are both like freaking the fuck out because this man just like barged into their room (laughs) and is like trying to beat up Tom. Yeah. And He's so adamant that that's his wife, even though it very clearly is not his wife. Mrs. Waters and Mrs. Fitzgerald look nothing alike. Okay, I missed that for a second, except at the end of the scene, where after all is said and done... He's apologizing that he thought she was his wife. Well, but then they get in bed together. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so there's this, like, commotion... More people end up in this room. So you have Tom and Mrs. Waters just in bed surrounded by like all of these randos, (laughs) like arguing, trying to figure out what was going on. Um, Tom runs away for whatever reason. Tom runs away. And that's when they they speed up the film because he's like, it's like this one of those like old school comedy chases with the fast music and the sped up film through. And again, that nod to that kind of like silent film ish era. 
and just like the craziness of it. Um, and meanwhile, in the courtyard, Mrs. Fitzgerald, Hen- Henrietta Fitzgerald, and Sophie and Anna have arrived, and Miss Western. Well, and not Squire. quite yet. Well, they're they're <laughs> hot on their tail. <laughs> they hear the commotion. Mrs. Fitzgerald recognizes her husband's voice and is like, "We got to get the fuck out of here. We got to get the <laughs> fuck out of here." In the rush to leave, Sophie's like, um, her little hand muff, like little hand warmer thing, and her wallet fall. Uh huh. Then we also see Squire. So they leave. Squire Western and Miss Western barely miss them and yeah. arrive. Meanwhile, Tom has gone out a window. He looks like he's going to do it very dashingly and gallantly. No. He's like sitting on the sill, like blows a kiss to Mrs. Waters, cut to him immediately just crashing through the awning <laughs> that I busted out laughing at. And um, him trying to run and escape, he runs into Squire Western, who's like, I'm going to get you. Where is Sophie? He also finds Sophie's wallet, which is important. Yes, because that motivates needing to get back together. Right. Continues to run away. And then we have the shot of Mr. Fitzgerald and Mrs. Waters, who's like still in bed, covered in the bed sheets, like making eyes at each other. And then they crawl into bed together. <laughs> of course they do. <laughs> and then the camera ju- judiciously pans away with another quote about the censors. <laughs> That that entire sequence, watch that entire sequence. It's so good. It really is. It's so good. And this so movie funny. is not that long a movie. You should really watch the yeah. whole movie. Is is what we think, but that's totally fine. So next morning, everybody's still going to London. We the highwayman tries to rob Miss Western, <laughs> and she scolds him out of it. It's so I good. I love him just being like. Who we later find out is Partridge, the barber who yes. got kicked out um, for being accused of being Tom's father, even though he definitely wasn't. Not. <laughs> um, but he he's just pointing a gun at her and being like, "Stand and deliver." And then she's like lecturing him, and he clearly doesn't know what to do. Don't point that gun at me. Stand and deliver. (laughs) And she says, I'm no traveling midwife. Deliver what? (laughs) And then just rides off. And this is why I love Miss Western. But also have, anyway. Yeah. Her character is great. Yeah. Um, Then he robs Tom, or tries to rob Tom. Tom like gives him the money, but like fakes him out. Yeah, and, like, I, grabs the gun and tackles him. And this which, is how it comes out that he's Partridge. And he's like, father! And gets a big smooch. <laughs> which immediately, we now get Partridge as sort of Tom's manservant-ish. Yeah, he he's his buddy. Like, he's kind of explaining the little bit of the backstory where he's, like, not actually your father. Like, right. I was accused of it. But no, sorry, kid. <laughs> but, like, I'm here for you. Exactly. And so they make their way to London, which... Which is also where Sophie and cousin Henrietta have gone. Thank goodness. So I really liked how Partridge and Tom first see kind of the lower class portion of London, where it's this commotion and lots of crazy, weird, slightly obscene things going on. Like people eating on a barrel, people, you know, making out in the street, all this. I don't know. It was a really interesting characterization of that there and mm-hmm. then you immediately switch to the wealthy part where tom is trying to talk to henrietta fitzgerald at her yeah and they abode. keep turning her away and he's like i know sophie's there but sophie doesn't want to see him not at all but the main important thing here is that we get introduced to the and i quote the notorious mrs belliston i was like oh when they introduced her as notorious i was like oh this is gonna i'm be gonna love character. her and i do i do i mean i don't i have some issues with her but like 
Well, I love her as a character, but she's like kind of a villain for sure. She, oh, of course, for she, sure. She, oh no, not works. kind of. She actually is a villain. She is I just villain. remembered like, a scene that happens later. <laughs> she is a villain. But she sees Tom and is like, "Ooh, interesting man." She's like very, very handsome. We come to find out that she has invited Tom. Well, to a masquerade. And Henrietta also has said, "Like, hey, can my cousin Sophie come stay with you? Mm-hmm. Because." My husband's definitely going to come back into town. I don't think he's going to react very well to me, like, hiding her. Can she just stay with you? And Lady Bellison, like, looks at Tom. She's like, oh, that's the guy who likes Sophie? And Henrietta's like, yeah, I keep telling him, like, no, go away. And she's like, okay, yeah, no, Sophie can stay with me. (laughs) Has nothing to do with that hot young piece. (laughs) (laughs) Ulterior motives. But yes, she invites Tom to masquerade. Of course there is a fucking masquerade in this movie. Oh my God, there's masquerade shenanigans. I love this movie. This movie has everything. They even have a sword fight later and I almost lost my shit. Yeah, a second. A they have good two, sword fight. two sword fights but in this film. But this is a sword fight where both people have swords. Yeah, that's And true. it's a good sword fight. Like <laughs> I was like, oh my God, by the end of this film, I was just like losing my shit. I was like, it has everything. And so into the masquerade scene, this dancing was absurd. Absurd. I loved it. And the masks that, for example, they put Squire in that was like an elephant trunk. Literal manifestation of his inner character. (laughs) And he's ranting about civilization going to hell when he's like there. And like Miss Western's like adamant that they will find Sophie here. At a masquerade. At a masquerade. Ian, if you're going to flee your family, where do you go? The first masquerade. Of course. But this is where we get the predatory notorious miss belliston mm-hmm. swooping in on tom you couldn't she see comes, the hand motion i just made she but. comes into it as being like an i'll help you of course but then she lures him away into her home, i think it's, which, it's her yeah it's her house that yes. she's hosting in. and can i just say she's loaded the, the, the scene that you see when they first walk in of course there's a naked body like statue right there in her house duh <laughs> again the set design that it won for yeah. It's so good. <laughs> so she leads Tom up to her bedroom and he realizes like, oh, she's the one who owns the house. But again, a woman is better than no woman. Here's my one thing though, is I'm like, Tom, if you really want Sophie. Maybe you should ask her if this is okay. Maybe first. <laughs> don't like she clearly was kind of mad about the Molly thing. Like, maybe don't sleep with everyone she knows. <laughs> like, just a thought. Like, don't shit where you eat. That's all I'm going to say. Just maybe don't sleep with everyone. This, this is where I also started to get a little bit concerned that Tom might have or would get syphilis and give it to Sophie because it was rampant in that era. Luckily, this is a comedy, so we did not have to deal with Oh, yeah. M- that. M- Miss Belliston, who definitely has had her turn around many, oh, yes. but many she, a man. She kind of sort of makes a deal with that. Basically, she's like, be my mistress. Yeah. Because I'm and so fucking it. rich. Well, and the way that she, quote, caught feelings in the morning by decking him out in this high fashion garb of the time. <laughs> so and funny. they do, like, the commentary in the voiceover says something about, like, Tom being like, well, he didn't really, like, want to do that. But also, she was, like, really rich. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Such a marriage of convenience. Or mi- mistress-ship of convenience. Uh, yes. Think- Non-marriage of convenience. <laughs> But we get we get him all decked out. He's like, what am I doing? He's at Sophie. Not Sophie's. Excuse me. He's at Belliston's when Sophie manages to walk in. Of course, they he's also taken some snuff now where 
he's like all and congested he, like, has and can't talk. It's it's yeah. an amazing piece of comedic. And he returns her wallet because this is the first time they've seen each uh-huh. other um, since when Sophie slapped him over Molly. No, since uh, Sophie was going to be married to Bliffle and he asked her not to give herself yeah. to him and then ran away. And it's like, surprise, what are you doing here? Yeah, and Sophie's <laughs> like kind of upset with him, understandably. Naturally. They have like kind of a tense exchange. Um, Lady Belliston walks in and they basically are like, no, we don't know each other. Because they don't know how but much Belliston, she knows. Of course oh, she knows, knows but she lets them pretend that she doesn't know. And there is a line too after Tom leaves where she's like, oh, was that Tom Jones? And Sophie's like, no, 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 that wasn't him. And Lady Bellison's basically asks if she's like over him yet. And Sophie goes, I care no more about Tom Jones than I care about the gentleman who was just here. Again, gorgeous writing. And I was like, oh, you witty person. I love you. All the double on Sophie's great. <laughs> but yeah, so we kind of come into a segment where we have two different things going on with Lady Bellison. We have Tom, who is like, I need to break up with her, but I don't know how. And we have because Lady Belliston being like, I need to marry Sophie off so she can't have Tom. And of course, she picks the most eligible bachelor, Felimar. He's so gross. Again, so eligible. <laughs> Why do you think he's eligible? That word. You keep using it. I don't think it means what you think it means. <laughs> There's yeah, he's a pretty scene. Nasty. Yeah. The card are you the card, about the card scene? scene. Yeah. So they're playing cards. And what's his name? Gross guy. I don't remember what his name was. Felimar. Felimar. Think. It's like Bliffle. Also a nasty name. Yeah. Felimar is like rubbing his knee under the table up against Sophie's knee. And Sophie keeps just like moving her knee. But like no outward sign really. But just moving her knee under the table. And then you have him trying to put his hand on her knee. And her just constantly just slapping it. And you have Belliston sitting there like nothing's happening. He he looks so (laughs) confused. Uh, WTF. Uh, I don't, well, yeah. Meanwhile, yeah. Partridge has told Tom that the way to get Lady Belliston off his back is to propose marriage to her because there's no, like, she would not want to marry Tom because Tom has no money and she's super rich. So he's like, it'll scare her into breaking up with you, yeah, which I, I kind of love that idea because in, in time period, like, historical movies like that, so uh-huh. often it's like, the woman really wants to get, and even like romantic comedies, a lot of times the woman really wants to get married and it's the guy who's afraid of it. I like the idea that they're like, no, no, no. You know how you, how you get her to break up with you? Propose marriage. She won't want that. <laughs> but Tom is like, what if it backfires? And Partridge is like, it won't. So Tom writes a letter proposing marriage to Lady Belliston that Lady Belliston shows to Miss Western. To Miss Western. And Miss Western's like, could I take this and show my niece? And she's like, what? I never thought of that, but of course you can. <laughs> All the scheming. Yeah. So Sophie thinks that Tom has proposed marriage to Lady Belliston and is super upset about it. Meanwhile, Lady Belliston tells Fel- 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 Felomar. Felomar, go Are you rape concerned Sophie. with the word rape? You God. should be. If you're not, you should be. <laughs> and the way that he just r- runs with it, I'm kind of like, okay. I was like, what the I'm fuck? Glad that you're about to not be in this film anymore. <laughs> yeah, because we're like, there's no fucking way. Yeah, so. We're like, luckily it's comedy, which means we're assured Sophie's going to be okay. Right. So he goes into the parlor where Sophie is and is like, da 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 We should have some fun. Nobody's here. Sophie's like, no, we shouldn't. Don't then, want this. And then 
I'm really torn here because I can see what they were doing with their movements around the, the room. It was very much in kind of that slapstick comedy style, but I had a hard time finding it funny well, given I think, what it was about to go down. I don't think it was necessarily supposed to be like that funny like, because it's it's Sophie getting cornered. Right. Um, but it's like the way they had kind of this cat and mouse thing around the I don't know. It. I, I was fine with it because I didn't feel like it, it felt sinister to me. Like it felt appropriately sinister to me. Gotcha. See, I interpreted it as time. Well, and I think it's because of the way that they had treated a lot of the, the like the slut shaming aspects of things earlier and a couple other pieces that I didn't interpret it as as sinister. See, as I, I never hoped. felt that the movie was slut shaming any. Like we're talking specifically about like Molly. Yeah. I never felt the movie was slut shaming her. I felt that the background character and like that the characters who we weren't supposed to like uh-huh. were slut shaming her. Okay. So I felt like the was like movie a was making commentary. a commentary that like, look at all of these people who say they're so noble, but like they're assholes. Uh-huh. That's the way okay. I took it, the way I interpreted it. I, I, like the, like I said, like the scene, it didn't feel overdramatic, but like it felt like appropriately sinister to me because like you have somebody who like poor Sophie who keeps just yeah. finding herself surrounded by people who like definitely don't have her best interests at heart. Right. Um, Fortunately. Through no fault of her own. Exactly. She thinks that, well, and why wouldn't you expect your cousin to well, her, do like, what's her, right for you? Well, and her cousin probably – I'm assuming that her cousin did not set her up to this because her cousin was just no, like – No, but the cousin did know that Lady Bellamar – Belliston, excuse me. Knew who Tom was. Was uh, notorious. Yes. <laughs> so – Yes, but even if I – I would still – even if someone was like, oh, that person right there, they're notorious, I'd be like, I need to go talk to them. I still wouldn't expect them to be like – hmm, I don't want my side piece to run off with the woman he actually loves, so I'm going to encourage somebody to rape her. Like, Yeah, that that is a step <laughs> beyond. That is quite a step. Um, But Sophie fights back, and it just so happens that Squire Western and Miss Western arrive at Lady Bellaston's at that time, and Squire Weston, I was like, I still hate him. He's still a terrible father, but for once, his timing is good. Impeccable. But then he picks her up and runs There's off with her. And this, I'm like, why? That is kind of a why? funny <laughs> moment, though, because he, like, gets the guy off of Sophie, uh-huh. like, grabs Sophie. He's like, Sophie, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. Can we go? And then he puts her over his shoulder. And Sophie down. just goes, wait, wait, dad, put me, or wait, father, put me down. <laughs> <laughs> at some point, we get. Also, cousin Henrietta flirts with Tom at one point, And I just have a note that says, Tom, keep it in your pants. <laughs> Oh, yeah, because he, he went over to, I think, talk about Sophie with yeah. uh, Mrs. Fitzpatrick. And this is where we get the second sword fight. Fitzgerald. As he's, is it Fitzgerald or Fitzpatrick? I thought it was Fitzpatrick. You've been saying Fitzgerald the whole oh, time. Oh, no. <laughs> Ian, what is it? It's Fitzpatrick. Are we sure? I was wrong the whole time. God damn it, because I was saying what you said. Because hey, I can remember. This is why independent, independent research is important. <laughs> No, I will not think for myself. Then you can't be Sophie. I didn't say I wanted to be Sophie. Oh. <laughs> did, did you not just hear the really traumatic thing we talked about her going through? I mean, yeah, we don't want that. So Mr. Fitzpatrick shows up, sees Tom leaving, and is like, you are the one that my wife has slept around and with. And we're like, not yet. <laughs> but also they to. might have just now. We I don't, don't think they did just now because she was like, I'll meet you on – they looked like they were going to. And then she was like, I'll meet you at like so-and-so on Monday. And then he was really <laughs> disappointed. So I was like I, – I was like, Mr. Fitzpatrick, you're wrong as of this moment. <laughs> <laughs> but they fight. 
This is where we get like a good little sword fight and, going. Oh my gosh, the framing in the arches under the like building, kind of wherever they were fighting, and then the way the camera panned with them as they moved left and right. It's good. So good. It's really and this good. is kind of throughout this film, I was asking myself, why did this win Best Picture? And then scenes like this remind me why I think that it was worth it. Mm, I think part of the reason it won Best Picture is because it is so goddamn delightful. It really is. And I think that it that's something that audiences really respond to. And if you think about, like, we even talked about what a sigh of relief this was for us after having watched the preceding Best Pictures uh-huh. and kind of, like, how heavy a lot of them were and how long and how epic and having something that is just like fun and weird and has Uh just like an undisputed hero and heroine that you can cheer for. Like it's, it's fun and it's refreshing. And maybe the Academy felt the same way. Yeah, Maybe they were like, it's time. Let's have this wacky little weird movie win. And I absolutely adore that because apparently it actually did not do great when it originally came out in the UK. Interesting. Um, but it was word of mouth and kind of a cult following for it developed that made it popular so that when it hit theaters in the US, it did very it had well. it more of a following. Good. It did a lot better. I love that. Yeah. So anyway, sword fight happens. There are some plants that, of course, are like these two plants, because they show up immediately. One's got an eye patch, one has these scars all across his face, and you're like, they're villains. <laughs> they're villains. They're brigands. <laughs> And they're like, oh, no, you were the first to draw your Tom, sword. Tom stabs uh, Fitzpatrick in the gut. Yeah. And it doesn't kill him. We find out later. He recovers. But we thought but that we did. He did. So he's like taking off There was high potential for it. And I'm pretty sure dueling also would have been illegal at that time. I'm not the person to ask whether it was. I'm going to say it was <laughs> in the UK. I'm going to Regardless, assume. we have established that murdering people is grounds for arrest. Yes. And we have the... Um, a uh, uh, connection to Bliffle. Yes, because Bliffle has hired these people. He hired the brigands. Yeah, or was, was like, it was it Square or Thwackum? They're all the same. They are. They are the same. They're the three headed monster. I hate um, them all. The Hydra. Which can I can I just point out that after Tom is in jail, after they paid off the brigands, Bliffle has the worst complexion. Like all the pimples. It's got to be so much stress. It's stressful being a baddie. <laughs> We're rapidly approaching one of my favorite kind of sequences in here. Is this the jail? It's not the jail one. This is where they're finding out exactly what went down (gasps) with. I know exactly what you're talking about. And I loved this so much. I had to stop taking notes because my pen ran out of ink. And so I have talked before about one of my measures for how engaged I am in a movie and how much I enjoy it is how often I look at my phone. I don't think I checked my phone once maybe checked it once over the course of this movie well it's because we were texting about the movie to each other (laughs) yeah that's like the only time i did that it's because we were talking about the movie i wasn't like browsing the internet i wasn't like doing anything else on my phone i didn't even want to like get up and pause it at this point to like go get a new pen yeah i was like i'm just here i was like i'm just engaged i'm just gonna enjoy this film yeah and so we get miss waters pulled in who who went to see miss waters was it partridge they go to see Partridge tries to convince the two brigands to like take back their testimony. Oh, oh Partridge, and I was very you were spineless. I'm sorry. You are a barber. Go do worried. barbering things. Hey, Sweeney Todd one. But um, <laughs> I was just like, Partridge, honey, you can't. Oh, I was very worried for him. Somebody goes to see Mr. Fitzpatrick. 
to try and convince him because we found out that he hasn't yeah. died. And they can't see Mr. Fitzpatrick because he's recuperating, but they talk to who they think is Mrs. Waters. Fitzpatrick. Oh, that's right. Actually, right. Mrs. Waters. Yep. And it's, um, I think it's like, maybe it's Square or Thwackham or something, but they're trying to like convince her to like, definitely ensure that he blames tom jones or something she's like oh yeah i'll definitely do that (laughs) (laughs) and that's how she gets an in with mr allworthy Mm -hmm. and so you have bliffle and either thwackham or square trying to talk to allworthy about oh how horrible it is that tom is now going to not horrible but basically rubbing salt in the wound about how tom is he's awful he's gonna swing but we have allworthy that's coming not allworthy excuse me we have Mrs. Waters coming in to talk through what's going on. Now, there was a fun little bit of kind of gimmicky filmmaking here with Partridge and I believe the cook. Yeah. where The cook who adores Tom. Because I don't think we mentioned it when Tom leaves. It's clear that all of the servants adore Mm -hmm. him because they Mm -hmm. all are there to see him off and they hug him and the cook like gives him a kiss on the cheek, like very clearly like a maternal figure for him. So... Again, seeing that, like, Tom is a genuinely good person. So, yeah, the cook has been adamant that there's no way he could have done it. And right. feels like, you've been fooled. But just wait. So you have Partridge and the cook listening at the door. Because Mrs. Waters insists that she has something that she can tell Allworthy. But only Allworthy. But only Allworthy. And is this where, this is where we find out about the letter, right? Uh, or Allworthy found out about the letter. Allworthy does. Because we saw it at... Bridget's funeral, uh, there was the guy who had the letter who was like, you're mo- telling Bliffle, your mom gave me this letter, said to only give it to Mr. Allworthy, but like, I know he's not doing super well, and Bliffle's like, I'll take it. To give it to yeah. him. Yeah. And this is where, actually, it was before this point, I texted Ian and I was like, I know what happened. I solved this movie. I think I called myself Columbo. Um, Maybe a little haughty. But I was so freaking close. I was so close but because hey, what I said is that I said, I Are we bet playing horseshoes here? No. No, but we are playing hand grenades, <laughs> motherfucker. Um, I said that I thought Mr. Allworthy was actually the father and therefore Tom was actually his son and the rightful heir and Bliffle didn't want him to get the estate, so he burned the letter. What we come to find is that actually... Bridget is Tom's mom. We never find out who the father is, but Jenny Jones took the fall for it, which I was like, I hope to God she was compensated for this. Well, and guess who Mrs. Waters is? Jenny Jenny fucking Jones. (laughs) I love this so much. Yeah. Now at the door though, the there, they have this thing with the cook and Partridge Mm -hmm. and it would freeze them in different positions, listening and like getting excited. Like their facial expressions changing. And it was so goofy, but I loved it. It fit the whole thing. Feeling it was, of the film, it was really, really good because yes. we at that point we don't know exactly what happened. We just right. know that like good Something stuffs happening, good. and this is where we finally the get the tea scene. has been spilt. Exactly, they're like, okay, we got to get to the jail now, and this is where Jenny breaks the fourth right. because wall. Because what this means is that Tom is Bliffle's older half brother, and therefore actually the should heir. be the heir of Mr. Allworthy's estate because he's the oldest nephew. Because yep. apparently at that point, him being a bastard no longer matters. I'm gonna let it pass. I'm no, I'm cool with it. Because what happened I'm just is not... what I wanted to happen. Yeah, Damn exactly. It. <laughs> no, I'm here for it. I'm just a little. I'm like, I think, I think these rules only apply when you want them to apply. Hey, it's uh, aren't those all the rules? Very true. <laughs> um, but the way that Jenny broke the fourth wall and played narrator here, 
was so great. And the fact that it was Jenny telling the whole story mm-hmm. is even better. Yeah, because it's, it's like, her in the this foreground. is what I did. Because they get to the jail. <laughs> and there was some nice stuff around the jail with, like, the there's the song that they have yes. singing. Um, and Tom looking real sad and all the other people in the jail. But you have, in the background, them at the jail getting Tom. Uh-huh. Or trying to talk to get Tom out of the jail. And then you have Jenny in the foreground explaining like the whole backstory and who mm-hmm. Tom actually is. Turns out they already took him up to the hangman. Uh-oh. SpaghettiO. War song. Tom is defiant. Up. Oh, I was thinking the scene through the streets where he's defiant. Oh, he is And you have Fletcher defiant. or whatever the what other. Yeah, it's the guy who he saved Mrs. Ugh. Waters from earlier. Jeez. That stupid guy again. But yes, he is new step. He's new step. The cart is pulled away that he's standing on. But who comes to save him, Ian? Squire. Who now thinks that because Tom is the sole oh heir of that gosh. estate, he's now the best. he he's can marry Sophie. Sophie. Uh, well, he's no longer lowborn. Literally nothing about Tom has changed, but suddenly everyone's perceptions of Tom has changed. Because now... Which is ridiculous. He's an heir. Super ridiculous. But... I can't Anyway, then the squire is like kind of creepy and he's like, go get Sophie. And of course... I bet there will be a son nine months from tomorrow. <sighs> and I'm like, that's really gross. But Tom and Sophie get to run to each other's arms and kiss. Yes. And that's what we all wanted. And we were happy with this. And the end. It was delightful. It really is one. There are some of the movies that we have done that I will probably not watch again. For example, I would say actually there's a Broadway a metal. I, there's a, a Broadway that I will movie. never watch again. Um, but this I am going to absolutely watch again. This, this is, is one, one that I will favorites. make other people watch with me. Yeah. Like this is this is one of those movies that like I I really love pulling out like kind of weird, oddball, obscure movies for our friends' movie nights. I love that you all still trust me and I appreciate <laughs> that a lot. I built up my my like cred with stuff like Casablanca and bringing up baby in Philadelphia story. And then I proceeded to be like, now let's watch Flash Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> Want to go on the lists? Yeah, I you go first. I have no <laughs> freaking idea. So I think for me, this is pretty... I'm I'm again running into the issue where I'm not exactly sh- sure it's not where like, specifically it's to also spot it. Not like a lot of the other movies we've watched, so right. that makes it harder to but figure out. But it is in my it. top third. So I think for me, I'm putting Tom Jones at number twelve, and so that's after Bridge on the River Kwai and before Best Years of Our Lives, and so Bridge on the River Kwai definitely had the subtleties of character and the development of that on lock. Not to say that Tom Jones didn't, but it was just a different feel and much less cerebral in kind of a way. I don't know. There, I found Bridge on the River quite more powerful with the characters, with the cinematography, all of that. Yeah. Now, before Best of Years of Our Lives, I think Tom Jones actually did a somewhat better job of the like ensemble of characterization if that makes sense i felt like the characters even if they were kind of the stereotypical versions of themselves like the whole cast worked really well together to kind of have this larger commentary on everything Mm -hmm. um not to say that best years of our lives didn't it just i don't know i felt it was less it's less of a heavy-handed commentary exactly exactly so 
I'm I'm looking at a very similar area of my list. I think I'm also going to make it number 12. I think I'm going to slide it in after Bridge on the River Kwai before From Here to Eternity. Because I really liked From Here to Eternity. But I just... I didn't find the delight in it that I did with Tom Jones. Well, Tom Jones did not have a postmodern ending. But it... Very true. (laughs) But like... But you know what I mean? Like even... Like From Here to Eternity... I mean, Ambridge on the Quiet. Like, it's so heavy the entire time. You don't really get a lot of levity there. And I just, I loved how different Tom Jones was. I still have to put it under Bridge on the River Quiet because, like, there is something about the characterization with, like, the British commander and the Japanese commander in Bridge yes. on the River Quiet that is just, it's so, so great to watch from, like, the performances and the writing and the commentary uh-huh. and just, like, everything there. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's also going to be my number 12. Yes. (laughs) I think if people can't tell from listening to this episode, we highly recommend this one. And I feel like it's definitely a lesser known one. I went into this. I know you didn't know anything about it. Oh, absolutely nothing. I went into this. That's not surprising. (laughs) I knew zero about this. I didn't know. I actually didn't know what genre it was until I like started doing background research. Um, I just like, wasn't aware of this movie and i'm so sad that i wasn't same it was a delight to watch we're and legit making people watch this our next friends movie night same. i think our friends would love it i i agree and you know like little funny fact when i heard tom jones all i could think of was what's new pussycat <laughs> and i'm like i'm glad to know it's not the same tom jones <laughs> i was slightly confused at first I think he it was him or another singer who actually like took their stage name from this character. Oh, really? Ooh, I like that. I don't know if it was because of the book or the movie, but well, regardless, great movie. You should watch it. I really want to read the book now. Same. If it's as good as the film, I mean, we'll see because it's definitely written ages ago, so it's going to be a little well. Potentially a little rough, but... I think there was some good stuff that was written ages ago, but... Me too. It's just a different writing style. Very true. Very true. So... But yeah, I think that's Tom Jones for us. Yeah. Join us next time when we are doing... My Fair Lady. Fuck. Oh, not the reaction I expected, but okay, let's do it. I hate that movie. Well, I see Dr. Strangelove is on there too, and I want to say you actually really like Dr. Strangelove. Yeah, why would that not win? And Mary Poppins. (sighs) Not a big Mary Poppins fan. I, that's okay. If you sh- if you say anything about Julie Andrews, though, oh Julie we're Andrews is fucking amazing. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and I'm a huge Sound of Music fan. Love awesome. Sound of Music. Um, man, so I'm not excited about the next one. Do you want to just do Str- Doctor Strange Love instead? <laughs> Sorry, we can't do that. We can do Doctor Strange Love if we want, but no, we gotta we watch My Fair Lady for sure. Should, um, <laughs> gentlemen, there's no fighting in the war room. Oh, so good. <laughs> Anyway, so next time we're doing My Fair Lady. Um, if you want, catch us on social media. We are on Instagram and Twitter at Best Pictures Pod. And if there's anything longer form, have any comments on our opinions on Tom Jones, would love to hear from you. Uh, we're the Best Pictures Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, it's just Best Pictures Podcast at gmail.com. There's no the. Excuse me, best pictures podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Just want to make sure those emails <laughs> get to the know right our place. Email. Um, but thank you for listening. And yeah, join us next time for my fair lady. 